Slippers on shoes? What's the matter, Morty? Great gowns, beautiful gowns. Fashion has changed. No, it hasn't. Hi, I'm Lauren Groney. And I'm Chelsea Fairless. And we are back to talk about And There Goes the Neighborhood. But before we do, Chelsea, I know that you have been in a tussle to get Taylor Swift tickets. We were supposed to have a double date Friday night. You rain-checked us because you were trying to get tickets. When the opening act went on, what happened? Did you end up going? I did end up going. It was a beautiful, transcendent experience. Yeah, as a lot of you guys already know, I could not get tickets in the pre-sale. Looking at them online in the weeks in advance of the show, they were fucking crazy. Like, it was insane. But if you wait until the last possible second, once the doors are already open, you can get a bargain. I'm imagining that you went to the parking lot. You were tailor-gating? Is that what they call tailgating <laughs> for Taylor Swift? And just refreshing StubHub or SeatGeek. Yeah, it was Vivid Seats, actually. I mean, look, I still paid for this shit. I paid double what this ticket originally was, but I also was in the 18th row. Very nice. Whereas I know people that paid more than me and got, like, nosebleeds. So, blessed, truly. It was the most beautiful experience. I don't know how else to describe it. Like, the vibes were just so good because it was, like, 90% women... 10% gay men and supportive dads. So the vibe was just like impeccable. It's been quite the few weeks for supportive dads between Barbie and Taylor Swift concerts. I saw some TikTok video of a dad making bracelets. What is the thing with the bracelets? It's giving rave. Okay, the bracelets stem from a lyric in one of the songs on Midnight's. I forget which one. Basically, little girls make those friendship bracelets that like have the little beads that are like letters and they spell out like the names of different like Taylor references and then they exchange it with each other like at the show. So like I didn't come with any bracelets, but people gave them to me. Aww. It was so cute. Like there were little girls giving the bracelets to the security guards and stuff. It was very like Kendall Jenner giving a cop a Coke kind of vibes. (laughs) Generally speaking, the clothes were insane because there's a lot of sequins, a reference to the current Midnight's era, but people were dressing up like all of the eras and the people that dressed up like the Reputation era We're basically just wearing newsprint clothing from fast fashion stores. So everyone was rocking this like Scaparelli by way of Galliano, by way of Carrie Bradshaw look to the Eras tour. This sounds a lot cooler than the last Taylor Swift concert in 2018 that I went with you. It was at the Rose Bowl. I had the darkest hair. I had a black bob at the time. And you were like, oh, I'm the person here with the shortest hair. And there was like a fellow queer person who saw us who because we were looking for the bathroom as soon as we entered. And she was like, just go six down. And no one's in that bathroom. And we were like, yes. She was a true legend. Yeah, the crowd was very different. I remember thinking that it was very MAGA when we went to that show. But when you think about it, the Reputation era, that was before Taylor Swift came out as a Democrat. That's before she had her gay anthem before she said fuck the patriarchy in a song so i feel like her audience has evolved along with her to a degree sorry i miss taylor but i'm not sorry for the effect she had this weekend over los angeles because i went to dry bar to get my hair blown out which is usually a seat on the weekends but i entered and the 
hostess woman was like, we're running 20 to 30 minutes late. And it's like, that's okay. I don't have anywhere to be. And then I looked down the double rows of where people are getting their hair done and it's all barrel curls. And I went off, oh, fuck, it's everyone getting their hair done for Taylor Swift. <laughs> and it was. I'm sure. Also, apart from the newsprint stuff, there was another Sex in the City moment because she did sing Illicit Affairs from Folklore, which I do believe is based on Carrie and Big's affair in season four. Oh, interesting. Oh, I wanted to ask you, did you go on Carly Kloss night? No. Carly Kloss night was, I think, yesterday. But no, I did not see Carly Kloss. Although during Taylor's shows, every single show, she does two songs that like aren't on the set list. And the night I went was Dress, which is like the ultimate Kaler truther anthem. Oh, it's funny because that's the song that I actually have set to my very early morning alarms because it's just sort of like starts off quite slowly. Okay, that's like such a weird way to start off the day. Yeah. Like that's literally perverted. That's how I like to start off my mornings. <laughs> Don't worry about it. By the way, a picture into Chell and I's friendship is... I sent you a tweet showing that Carly Kloss was at the Taylor show. No response. I look at our Instagram stories. You've posted it. So often I know that I've sent some, <laughs> Chelsea something really good when I don't get a response, but it ends up on the every outfit <laughs> Instagram. I'm sorry. That was really shitty of me. No, I'm so deranged that I'm like, wow, I'm so proud. It was a good one I sent. I was still recovering from Taylor. That bitch performed for three and a half hours. It was literally crazy. Do we just want to make this episode a Taylor Swift? <laughs> like, do we even want to get into this episode? No, we should get into the episode. What did you think? I don't know if I fully lost my mind, but I enjoyed it. Yeah, I'm in the acceptance phase too, so I enjoyed this episode. Also, I'm so happy it's spring because I've been thinking maybe in retrospect, like the winter episodes like triggered my seasonal depression a little bit. And now that we're in spring, I'm feeling lighter. And all of the girls are literally blooming. Lots of florals on this show. I think that this episode was a success in my mind because every character and every side character has something to do. So therefore you can't touch down with any one person for very long. Although I do feel like we got more Carrie than usual. She felt like the main character of this episode. Well, that's because LTW was sleeping throughout most of this episode. <laughs> That's true. But before we get into the episode in granular detail, I think we should address the title of next week's episode. The Last Supper Part 1 Appetizer. So we have two episodes left. So we have to assume that the last two are a two-part thing, right? Like American Girl in Paris. Part 1 Appetizer, it seems like. Part 2 would be Entree. Or is Part 2 Dessert? God, I hope there's dessert. The title of these episodes leads me to believe that this is the end of the series and not just the end of the season. It would be one thing if they didn't do the whole Last Supper themed photo shoot to promote the season but it seems like it's done you know my middle name isn't Cassandra for nothing but I did have a feeling from, from the past year that this is probably going to be the last season yeah I think you're right given what we've seen what what's happening on these last two episodes like do you think Carrie's going to move to Virginia? Because that's my fear. I don't think so. She's seemingly bought this place. But what if like one of Aiden's shitty kids comes over and it's like, daddy, I don't like this. And he's like, I gotta be in Virginia. And she's like, you know what? I'm gonna choose between my first love, the city, and my third love, Aiden Shaw. <laughs> my third love. The, her second love is Manolo's. <laughs> 
Her second love is big. Oh, well, yeah, we'll get into it, but it does seem interesting. It's almost as if they heard us. And like in a, in a week, they were like, we got to fix this was big, a big mistake thing. Yeah, it does feel like they backpedaled from that a bit, which frankly is a relief. Anywho, this episode starts in the Hudson Yards apartment. Carrie is reading at Chase. Aiden enters. I guess to answer your question, I think that they would live in this Gramercy apartment, but it's all fun and games now of like, one week in Virginia, one week in New York, but that commute is going to get tiring a year in. For sure. He gives her a very growl kiss, which I've subsequently gone back to season three, Aiden, and now I'm in season four, Aiden, and that was very much a thing that he does. Okay, but did he say chillo? Cello? Oh no, I didn't clock that. That's how he says hi to Carrie. <laughs> I was more distracted by the stirring music. Oh, they did the home alone music again in this scene. The music is very odd in this series. Look, I've chosen to accept all of it. I'm like, okay, this is the music we're doing. But what I did clock is Carrie calling him Aiden chatty McNice guy. He is chatty McNice guy. Anyway, he can't help but talk to the doorman, despite the fact that Che and Carrie are trying to not bring attention to the fact that Carrie is illegally subletting the apartment. And Aiden says it's all cool, because even though I like to talk to people, I also like to tip people. We learn that Carrie has gone to Virginia and met the kids. Blessedly, we didn't see this. We do get a FaceTime with Wyatt, who is a huge bummer. Yeah, it seems like Wyatt has some undiagnosed anxiety issues. Issues. He's tracking his father's flight on what I assume is flight aware. He's like, I saw that you landed and you didn't call me. I feel like this is seeding some sort of child drama. Don't need it. As a reminder, because I feel like we always forget one of their names. It's Homer Tate Wyatt. Okay. Homer's the one that we always forget about. So the super puts an envelope under the door. They've been caught illegally subletting. Carrie runs away from the paper under the door, which is a very Carrie Bradshaw thing. Are you not saying that Aiden runs out in tidy whities because you just <laughs> erased that from your memory or you don't want to get into it? No, I'll get into it. Also, I forgot to mention, Carrie looks great in what she's wearing in this scene. She's like super hot. Aiden, oh, do you think tidy whities are hot on a like non-Justin Bieber, young Mark Wahlberg. Now cohabitating with a man, you know, I have an appreciation for the briefs and the plight that men have with underwear choices. I'm just surprised that they're white, that he hasn't switched to like a black Calvin Klein. Well, it is consistent with Sex in the City, but I think the struggle for me is that he's wearing tidy whities while being a man baby and is still going to refuse to set foot in Carrie's apartment. Like, how can she fuck him? I mean, she's clearly enjoying it, but the resolution of this is bizarre, right? Because the whole reason an episode ago they went to Chase was because it was too expensive to keep staying in hotels. So her solution is to buy a $20 million townhouse in Gramercy <laughs> Park. I mean, how did you feel? Because I was in heaven because this was all, this was like, real estate porn this episode. I loved the Gramercy Park apartment. That part felt like the first film so much, more so than I think anything on And Just Like That has felt. For sure, but before we get there, we have a cameo from Ryan Serhant, who was on Million Dollar Listings. He's now a thriving uh, YouTube real estate 
agent. There are now real estate influencers on YouTube. I don't know if you know this. I see those TikToks that's like, this is what you can get for $30 million in New York City. <laughs> that's him. And so he's showing Seema and the director guy whose name I refuse to learn. Ravi. Ravi. There you go. This part feels so Emily in Paris to me. The fucking in the apartment mm -hmm. or the apartment in general? Everything about this particular man, the comedy of it. It's just, it feels like that show. But you don't know because you've seen like three episodes of Emily in Paris. That's true. I'm too busy watching and just like that to catch up on Emily in Paris. Look, we have to divide and conquer. You can watch the YouTube real estate influencers and I will watch every season of Emily in Paris. I spent most of this scene contemplating, do I think 37000 is a lot for apartment rent or too little for that kind of apartment? My instinct was too little. Right? Even if you look at like a 10000 dollar a month apartment in Manhattan it's unremarkable compared to like your average apartment anywhere else so that was my initial impulse and then I spent the rest of the scene being like am I fucked up for thinking that this is too little for this apartment I don't think you're fucked up you're the one that's put in your 10,000 hours on YouTube thank you very much when the director says, oh, you want action, it reminded me of Maria being like, you want fireworks? <laughs> I wanted him to be like, oh, you want action? I'll give you action. This character also makes me think that they're wrapping this show up because Seema needed to find love. Uh, yeah. And apparently it's with this guy and his chic little neckties. They fuck in the apartment, which is very inappropriate, but it's all fine because he's going to take it. Then we get a Brady and Miranda walk and talk. She wants him to go to some summer program in Costa Rica, but he just wants to like chill at Scout and make burgers or whatever. He's making very good crinkle fries. Uh, no judgment. Like let this man just have a job. He's 18. Yeah, he can take a gap year. And he also has a, a great burn, which is you didn't figure out your path until you were 56, which has Miranda figured out her path? <laughs> Yeah, we don't know what her path is exactly. And I'm interested to see how they're going to resolve her storyline. It's not like he's being lazy in bed. He's doing a double shift at Scout. He's working. Yeah, he's not just like on TikTok for like 15 hours a day, just like vaping. <laughs> no judgment tat. So then Miranda calls Charlotte because she wants Lily to rub off on Brady and be a productive human being. Yeah, that sounds like a great plan. Well, even Lily's like, what the fuck am I supposed to do? Like, I don't, I haven't known this child since we've went skiing that one time when we were 12 and 14. See, that is the type of new character detail I'm fine with and I enjoy. I don't like when they reference Carrie being single and like not being able to pick a Hamptons rental. It's like, no, no, no. We were with her for six years. We never saw this. And now I'm certain that we will never get to the Hamptons. Oh God, you're right. Despite all of this Hamptons talk. So Charlotte's household is rapidly unraveling because she now has a job. They're breaking their once a week Grubhub rule, which, excuse me, come on. Yeah, I mean, even with Charlotte being at home, I didn't expect that she was cooking dinner five times a week. So this is a little silly. So Harry is having a crisis for the Meet Herbert Wexley event, which my question is... I love that you finally learned his name. It took two seasons of Anne just like that. And here's the fucked up thing. I'll never forget it. And now there won't be a third season. Um, did I miss the episode where Harry became his event planner? 
or his campaign manager. I think he's just like offering to throw a fundraiser in his Park Avenue apartment. Like that's what the ultra wealthy do. Yes. And instead of appreciating Charlotte's labor, which I assume figuring out the catering for an event like this would have been Charlotte's responsibility pre-work. He's just like, I can't talk to anyone. I'm very busy. Meanwhile, across town, LTW is passed out in her office slash closet. This woman just has too much on her plate. She hasn't figured out that work-life balance. And given the resolution of this episode, she never will. <laughs> LTW's husband is very offended that their child is having cereal for dinner. It's like, everyone, calm down. It's like, get delivery from Mr. Chow. And just like that is a world where food delivery is only done seldomly and... Lyft and Uber doesn't exist. Yeah, but at least we were spared of a plot line where Che has to become a seamless delivery person. There's two more episodes. <laughs> you don't know what is going to happen. LTW says that PBS is interested in making her doc into a series. Off screen, her documentary has debuted. There was the one MoMA event, but sort of in the background, we hear the success of her documentary. Success in In Just Like That isn't as much seen as it's just reasoned about in future episodes. Meanwhile, Naya is getting railed by some Fabio type guy. And Miranda's trying to sleep in her little like tiny twin orphanage bed. Yeah, Naya's getting the soul fucked out of her or possibly like fucked back into her. I'm happy for her. Well, someone's fucking on this show. Lovely. But this has to be setting the stage for Miranda needing to move out. But the question is, is she going to move into Carrie's apartment? Don't even get me started on the last scene of this episode. <laughs> so now we're with Che at the vet and I like Che. I like the stuff at the vet. I often <laughs> feel like I want more of this. I'd be happy to have a Judy and Che vet workplace comedy spinoff. Yeah, I'm with you. We meet Che's new love interest, Toby, who comes in with some adorable kittens. Hits on Che. Knows who Che is. Is it just me or is this person 12 years old? I, I mean, I read them as younger than Che, but not, not a child. See, this isn't who I picture Che with. People like Che either date someone that looks physically identical to them, or I can see Che with someone that's really like high famine, mildly trashy, like Mildred from The Ultimatum or Lexi from The Ultimatum. Sorry, my mind just went to Miranda and Che going on The Ultimatum. <laughs> <laughs> but Che lies about having a comedy set because even though Che is seemingly given up comedy, which I was like, this is such an interesting storyline, right? You usually see someone that is working a, a normal job and has dreams and gives up that normal job when they find success in the entertainment industry. But we got the reverse of that. Someone giving up their unattainable dream. But of course... Che's like, oh no, I have to come up with a comedy set now because I lied to this hot person. So we'll get one more comedy concert. So then Carrie comes home to Che and a kitten. Oh yeah, we should say that the, the hot shaved head person, Toby, they found a bunch of kittens. And Carrie has to change for dinner and Aiden is, you know, sulking at a bar down the street because he won't set foot in the apartment. To which Che finally asks, what the fuck happened here? <laughs> Instead of giving a meaningful look at the wall and saying something like, I couldn't bring my wall down or something, she's just like, too much, can't get into it, got to get changed. 
So then she goes to meet Seema and Ravi for dinner. And yes, we learn a little bit about Ravi's IMDb as Aiden is a stan because he directed Nepal Kapow. Kind of cute to see Aiden nerd out like this, but slightly random. And it's through his boys, which is just like, uh, we always got to invoke these kids, don't we? Yeah, but I also do like that we're acknowledging like someone's successful. Like, no one's ever coming up to Carrie and being like, I'm a huge fan. I love your fucking book. Not even Lizette. Lizette's just like, you're cool. <laughs> okay, so then the girls are in the bathroom. Carrie and Seema. Seema does a TikTok dance, which I could watch all all day. I think she's trying to say why her and Robbie are not good for each other because she looks over his shoulder and can see all the actresses and uh, TikTok girls sliding into his DMs wanting to be in his movie. The purpose of the scene is for Carrie to say that she's ready to sell her apartment, or should I say, ready to sell her apartment again. And she kind of has to convince Seema, like, I swear I'm not going to back out like last time. So now we have a Giuseppe and Anthony walk and talk. Where Anthony does not want to have sex with Giuseppe. To which Giuseppe says, five dinners with no dick isn't very gay. (laughs) What do you think about Giuseppe calling Anthony Tony? Yeah, and then they do the whole like Tony and Maria from West Side Story bit. Cute. I like Giuseppe. I ship this couple. I don't know why Anthony doesn't want to have sex with him because he's too perfect. I guess. I mean, he reveals something that we've been wondering for the past few episodes, which is he is indeed not divorced yet from Stanford. And I think think this is a lie, which is that Stanford is having the super spy on him and that's why he can't have Giuseppe up to his apartment. Yeah, but we don't know if that's a lie. It's kind of hard to make a call either way since we have no idea what the reality of this Stanford situation is. But Stanford did leave him, so that would be completely psychotic. Yeah, but but who knows? I love that this scene ends on a very funny beat. Yes, we introduce another side character, which is Edie. Anthony's neighbor because he's like I have to help this old woman and the woman (laughs) turns around is like Anthony it's Edie I'm 56 I just stopped dyeing my hair yeah that was really funny and then we get uh, an instrumental of I feel pretty speaking to your point about how all of the stuff involving real estate feels very sex in the city one Charlotte Miranda and Carrie are looking at a Gramercy townhouse for Carrie these outfits yes finally (laughs) Finally, we did it, Joe. We have Miranda in like a full Ziggy Stardust seafoam green suit. I feel revived. Yeah, Charlotte is wearing a hydrangea print dress with like giant puff sleeves that does feel true to her character and a logical evolution of her look. And this might be my favorite Carrie look of the entire season, apart from the Vivian Westwood. She's wearing like a paint splattered overcoat with the rosettes. I think that spoke to the high-low of Carrie from the original series, finally put into this series. Totally. Is Miranda okay? Because she's like, I want you to buy this place so that I can move in. It's like, what's going on here? I know she's just joking, but it's like, girl, you got to figure out your life. (laughs) I get that Carrie is far wealthier than you, but like, you can't move in with her. Maybe she will, though. Maybe all the Aiden stuff will fall through. Although it seems crazy that it would. I just, I don't know. I don't know what's happening here. So she tells the girls that she wants to sell her place, which Charlotte and Miranda seem a little shocked by. But per this series, God forbid her long-term friends bring any of this shit up to her, to her face. Well, it is weird that Miranda is not more skeptical of this. 
the selling her apartment aspect of it, not the buying this apartment. She clearly has enough money to have both apartments. Yeah, I mean, you would imagine that she doesn't even have a mortgage on the other apartment. I just, I've never understood with this series why they just didn't have Carrie keep her apartment and she uses it as an office, which is incredibly indulgent, yes, and she lives somewhere else. Well, it's what they did in the second film, right? Yeah. You know, even if Miranda and Charlotte wanted to say something, Carrie gets a phone call from Kathy, who wants to meet for coffee. Meanwhile, Naya is getting railed again, and... Miranda can't shower. Yeah, I'm like, why is Miranda knocking on the door? And then Miranda says out loud for the audience, oh, yes, Naya, it's no problem that the only bathroom is in your bedroom. Which is, like, shockingly, like, that is very common in New York. Of course. Shocking to everyone that uh, does not live in New York, that anyone could live under such dehumanizing conditions with a roommate. So she has to go home to shower where she runs into Lily. Coming out of Brady's bedroom in his shirt. And she says, morning, Aunt Miranda. Oof. Miranda calls Charlotte to inform her of this shocking news. Which there's a bit of comedy with Charlotte who keeps screaming out loud and has to explain to the people that are in the gallery. Christie's just has me on hold again. Then uh, the girls decide to have a kiki at Chipotle. Yeah, I mean, it's a smash cut to them in Chipotle. It's like, wait. I love that they keep it real like that. Miranda is having plant-based tacos. That's what I clocked that I thought was very interesting. Can you get that at Chipotle? Yeah. Charlotte says at one point, this is so weird. Brady isn't even her type. To which Miranda's like, what? That felt like a very real moment. That was very well acted by both of them. Then we have Charlotte ranting at Harry about the implications of if they've hooked up or if they've not hooked up. Are they going to date? If they date, they'll break up. And then things are going to be weird between me and Miranda. Or they could get married and they'd have redheaded Chinese Jewish babies. That's a whole vibe. <laughs> but then Lily would have Miranda as a mother-in-law. Which I think would be great. Yes. Dream mother-in-law. Not overbearing, certainly. That's what you don't want in a mother-in-law. I will say Evan Handler has gotten very little this season, but with what little he's gotten, he's done a lot with. Because I did laugh at his stress of the party, which is, do you or do you not get a coat rack for a party in the spring? Nobody knows. The answer is yes. It's the evening of the fundraiser held in uh, Harry and Charlotte's apartment. I at first did not exactly understand what was going on with the woman and the dumpling. This is supposed to be a kosher event, and there's a pork dumpling. But it's not pork. It's fake pork, but it's just too delicious to be kosher. There's too much going on in this campaign scene that I, I didn't yeah. need a, a new side character having some issues with the pork or not pork dumpling. So Miranda and Charlotte tell Carrie about Brady. Because Brady elected to come to this event. He did not have to be pushed or prodded by his mother, which is point one for the fact that these two are fucking. Carrie has the line, which she's basically their aunt, right? She's not family, but she is a family friend. And instead of being like, oh, these are like my kids having sex, she goes, that's like hearing two of my stuffed animals are having sex. I was like, you have stuffed animals? <laughs> Anthony comes with Giuseppe. Anthony is like frazzled because he thinks like Giuseppe just wants a green card, which he doesn't. So they fuck in Lily's room. Well, yes. So Charlotte and Miranda are in the kitchen spying on Lily and Brady. 
and they decide to follow them all around the apartment. They think that they are in Lily and Rock's room. And at first they're like, oh, they're all just listening to music. And then Rock walks by and they're like, fuck, they're definitely fucking in there. And they open the door and it's revealed that behind the door, it's Anthony and Giuseppe, not that Miranda and Charlotte know that. And then very quickly they come through the door and say that they got pizza. And Charlotte's like, you know what? Actually, I don't care anymore. I used to fuck a lot and my mom didn't know about it and I turned out fine, which the lack of dramatic tension all throughout this second season. This is the second time they've done this. Yeah, I know. I was thinking about the Chanel dress that Charlotte was trying to get back because the weird thing is that she has an epiphany about the fact that she doesn't care, but there's no inciting incident that prompts the epiphany. Yeah, she's just sort of like, eh, all right. Actually, I don't care about the answer one way or another. It's like, as an audience, I do. You took me on this journey. In both of these instances, she terrorizes her friends and family, talking about it nonstop for the entire episode. And then she's like, actually, I don't give a shit. The highlight of this scene for me was getting a closer look at Charlotte's oil paintings of Elizabeth Taylor and Richard Burton, which do belong in the Smithsonian. Does anyone know who painted these? Let us know. Because they kind of have a Mark Ryden quality to them. They're like a little bit spooky and sad and exaggerated. And we might want to commission some work to put in our future office. I thought you were going to say the highlight of this was Victor Garber and Carrie talking. I did like that. I have a hard time because I know Victor Garber is gay that I keep forgetting that in this series, he's a straight man and quite the womanizer. See, I don't think about him as being gay though In when I see him in something. Like when I saw him be like the captain of the Titanic, I wasn't like, that guy's sucking dick, <laughs> you know? Uh, but this is the scene we referenced earlier where I know that they shot this months ago, but it really does feel like they called the actors back in the last week and were like, fuck, people are really mad about that was big, a big mistake. We got to fix this because Victor Garber is clearly hitting on Carrie because in an earlier scene, Harry has become incensed that Victor Garber is trying to fuck Charlotte. It's just so crazy. And her reasoning is like, he's not, he's into blondes. And then he's talking to Carrie, which I'm like, oh yeah, I guess... Carrie is a blonde. Oh, he's hitting on Carrie. I get where this is going. I ship this duo. He's like a less annoying version of Alexander Petrovsky. Yeah, I could see them together. Well, that's never going to happen. But he's talking about how his marriage has ended quickly. And, you know, were you married? How did your divorce go? And she's like, oh, my marriage ended way too soon. Yeah, that was sad. But she doesn't outright be like, oh, my, I didn't get a divorce. My husband died. Yeah, no, I know. So it was awkward because of that. Like we as the audience know the deeper meaning of, of these words she's saying. But in reality, if you were having this conversation with her, you'd be like, well, that's fucking weird. Okay. But maybe she just doesn't care enough to like go there with this random guy. We have LTW falling asleep again, to which I was like, are we going to unveil a narcolepsy diagnosis? Where is this going? <laughs> no, Herbert is annoyed that she's late. She finally makes it to the fundraiser. He's about to go up and do his little speech to all the rich people. And then he goes, you're being passive aggressive. She goes, I'm not being passive aggressive. I'm pregnant. Which it's like, no, don't. Again, don't be like season eight of Modern Family. She doesn't need another kid. Her storyline was thriving without an additional child. Yeah, her storyline is like 
I struggle to do my work because of my children and my husband. And now it's like, well, I guess I'm never doing my work again. I guess we're not getting that PBS series out of her documentary. (laughs) Of course, she'll try and figure out a way to do it all. She's LTW, but it does seem like a weird resolution given the fact that that's kind of been the main thrust of her plot line. And yeah, we have a Janet Jackson situation happening. A geriatric pregnancy. Oh, a geriatric pregnancy. Yes, yes, yes. Well, as we've noted, and as people have gotten mad at us before, that is the term. And if I were to have a child at this point in my life, I'd also be having a geriatric pregnancy. Same, boo. (laughs) Mine would be even more geriatric. Carrie shows up to the cafe with Aiden's wife, who is wearing an outfit that's like a kimono with a gigantic belt. But it's just a top, and then she has skinny jeans. Not the most fashion-y girl, let's just say. No, and Carrie thought that she was showing up to the cafe early. Kathy is already there waiting for her. She says something like, oh, you made me feel like I'm late or something. And she goes, well, if you're late, then you're Aiden. When has Aiden ever been late? Yeah, Carrie's late. There's literally an episode called Shoulda, Woulda, Coulda from season four where she's constantly showing up late to things with Aiden. So she wants to have this little kiki because she doesn't want Carrie to write about her sons. Again, the lack of dramatic tension all throughout this season, but especially this episode, which is Kathy's like, I read your book. And it's like, oh, okay, whoa, what is this going to be about? She's like, So I get the sense that you write a lot about your life. And it's like, we know from the second film that Aiden says that Kathy has always checked up on Carrie. Yeah, like as if this bitch hasn't read every single column that she's ever written, especially all the ones about Aiden. Yeah, and she's like, so my only request is just don't write about my kids. And also, you can't hurt Aiden again. Again, I just like resent this like revisionist history thing around their breakup as if this was all Carrie's fault and she like ruined this poor man's life. Also, this scene leads me to believe that Kathy does not know that Aiden kissed her in Abu Dhabi. That's what I thought about too. (laughs) If she wanted to be a real bitch, she could throw that back in her face. Oh, and before we get 32,000 calls about this, the actress playing Kathy is Rosemary DeWitt, who in real life is married to Ron Livingston, who played Berger. Daddy MPK loved that whimsical casting choice. And also, she has a brief role in season four as the actress who tells Miranda's secret that she's pregnant. Because evidently, there are only four actors you can cast in the world of in just like that. The weird thing about this scene is that it's unclear to me how Carrie is receiving this information. I read Carrie's face when Kathy was like, just don't write about my kids as like, I wasn't going to. Your kids are not that fucking interesting. (laughs) That to me seems like a fair thing to say, although it should be delivered via Aiden. Like if that's a concern of hers, then just be like, go to him and be like, You have to make sure she doesn't write about her kids. As an audience member, if you're choosing to bring in Aiden's wife for the first time, someone that has been referenced since season six, that you would imagine the sit-down conversation is like, what is going on here? Like, you missed your chance to be with Aiden. Or what the fuck did you guys do? I know what you did in Abu Dhabi, bitch. I don't think this can be the last of Kathy, or maybe it will be because they definitely do abandon things. But I can't imagine that in this final episode, there will be some sort of massive group supper. That's just where my mind went, Chell. As you were saying this, I was like, oh, that's the last scene. Yeah, it's going to be the last scene. And it'll be everyone, including like Aiden's ex, kids, kids. Che's new love interest. And Carrie's going to 
look at her phone, pick it up, and then we're going to get the scene of Samantha in the car being like, honey, save me a seat. I'm almost there. I would be if I didn't refuse to shoot with the entire cast as part of my contract. Honey, is it just me or did the men in New York get hotter? Yeah, we'll have Seema and Ravi. We'll have Brady and Lily together. I bet Rock will have a person too. No, Rock will be hanging out with like, with Wyatt or something. Che will be there with their new partner. Maybe Rock will be hanging out with Che. That would be cute actually. It's kind of weird that we haven't seen that. Anyway, Carrie takes Aiden to see the apartment. It just feels like she married big So she could use his money to buy her and Aiden's dream house. Like, I know (laughs) deep fucking down Aiden is so happy about this. Like, he's looking up or maybe looking down and going, I fucking won, motherfucker. You're right. That is quite the grift. (laughs) What what, what did he say in in season four of the big fight? I'm the Green Hornet. (laughs) This also really feels like the scene where... Carrie and Big are looking at the apartment for the first time in the film because Carrie also is dressed quite similarly. She's wearing another like floral 50s dress. That and I also thought of the season two episode when Big is moving to Paris and she does French girl cosplay Mm -hmm. and she's like, I'm going to move to Paris with you. And he's like, all right, but like you're doing this for you because Aiden has a similar line where she's like, I'm going to sell my apartment. He's like, Okay, but you'd be doing it for you. I can't ask this of you, which is a more mature version than the way Big phrased it. Oh, of course. But yeah, it felt good to watch this. And it felt good to see Carrie look like Carrie. Like, I feel like the costuming in this episode for her was really, really good. But again, maybe I was just like sick of the winter. The thing that I was thinking about in this scene is the development of Carrie not being as selfish I don't know if this is a good outcome, right? Because she's saying to Aiden, well, I want you to be happy and the apartment makes you unhappy. At once, it feels like this selfish thing and this important character development of giving up the apartment for the right reasons. But it's still so bizarre that he just, she's doing it because he won't go in the fucking apartment. Yeah, it's rooted in a rejection of a fundamental part of her identity which is this apartment. And Carrie says to Aiden, oh, I met with Kathy. She doesn't want me writing about the boys. And also she told me that I can never hurt you again. To which Aiden's like, oh, shouldn't have said that to you, man. Well, yeah, it is inappropriate to say that. I think the thing about the kids is one thing, but don't come to me with commentary on a relationship you did not bear witness to. It's always been our theory. And Aiden sort of says, this is completely different. We're different people now. But also he acknowledges, which is true about relationships, like you are going to hurt me and I'm going to hurt you, but we're going to move on and live together. Yeah. Life is short and we deserve to be happy. Do you think Aiden is going to propose again? Oh, that could definitely happen. The Last Supper could be an engagement party. And then we get the final scene, which Lizette's had a rough six months. It seems like she hasn't recovered from her life's work being stolen and Seema doing literally nothing except protecting Carrie's necklace. Lizette is leaving the apartment as Carrie is returning. Carrie goes, how are you? She goes, I'm terrible. The gays that she's rented her apartment from are coming back, so she has no place to live. Lizette says something to Carrie that's like, who would ever leave this place? And Carrie's like, I don't know, and walks up the stairs. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. There are a lot of characters to serve, and to just do scenes that have no resolution is like, wait, 
why wouldn't you just have Carrie be like, well, I have an idea. Because that's where I thought it was fucking going. Well, I think that is where it will go. Lizette has to live there. Miranda could also live there. Oh, we did miss the beat where Naya is fucking the, as you said, the Fabio-looking guy. She thinks this is great, anonymous Tinder sex where you don't have to pretend that you want to be on your phone. And she's doom-scrolling and she sees that Andre Rashad has announced a pregnancy, I assume, with the girl from the tour. Yeah, with hipster Heidi. So maybe Naya will get rid of the apartments. I mean, I'm seeing another spinoff. Lizette in the city? Crazier things have happened. And then we have the end just like that? And just like that, I went up the stairs of my old apartment without looking back. Which is kind of odd because you're walking into your apartment, you're walking into your past... Because it is kind of a reference that Carrie does always sort of whimsically look over her shoulder when she goes up these brownstone steps. But I think it would have made a little more sense if she was leaving the apartment. Yeah, that's a leaving kind of statement. Yeah, and you could totally do that scene where it's Lizette that's coming back in as Carrie is leaving the apartment. You could have the complete same conversation. She's got boxes from Home Depot. and But I think the reason for that is that Carrie is not just selling this apartment. Like something else is going to happen with this apartment. I hope we're at the end, not just of this episode, but the end of and just like that. This season, or maybe this series. We don't know. We don't know, guys. But I'm very interested to see what they do with the next two episodes. Because we saw the preview for the next episode. They are back in hotels. You get the sense that there's going to be a bit of a time jump because Carrie says to Aiden that they're about to move into that Gramercy apartment together. Right. And then in the preview for this week, we see like them actually putting furniture in it. Here's hoping we get an acknowledgement of the chair that Aiden made for Carrie. I'm fine to accept that Carrie just like gave the chair to Housing Works years ago. Mr. Big's like, I don't want this shit in my house. It could be in her storage unit, I guess. Like her storage unit, which is like larger than most people's actual apartments. That's another spinoff we could have, which is just like we start with Carrie some years before dropping off a bunch of her shit at Housing Works and like high maintenance. It's just an anthology series of what <laughs> happened to all these pieces and who picked it up. Guys, when the strike is over, give us a call. We are ready to set up the end just like that cinematic universe. For sure. All right, guys. Until next week, everybody stay sane. I'm not even bullshitting. I'm feeling good about this season. We're almost at the end and we've made it together. We have. Until next week. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.